Welcome to the ABHA Listen and Learn Podcast, where we discuss the latest issues related to hearing and balance healthcare. And now, here are your hosts, Dr. Dana Day and Dr. Susan Schmidt. Hello, I'm Dr. Dana Day. And I am Dr. Susan Schmidt, and welcome to ABHA Listen and Learn Podcast, hosted by Arizona Balance and Hearing. This is where we discuss all of the latest and all of the greatest advances in testing and treatment of all hearing and balance issues. Education is at the heart of our core values at ABHA. One, Dr. Schmidt and I take very seriously the education of both ourselves and mostly of our patients. That is why we are here today. And so if anyone out there has any questions um, that you would like answered on this podcast, please go to questions at ArizonaBalance.com. Again, that's questions at ArizonaBalance.com. And we will be sure to answer them in one of our upcoming podcasts. Also, don't forget to click that subscribe button so you don't miss any of our future episodes. So, um, Dana, um, what I've been noticing um, more and more um, out there is how, how services and products are marketed to consumers mm-hmm. nowadays. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, for example, if I'm interested in a service like, um, or in like something that an orthodontist would provide. Um, so I have the option of going to many different places. I can Google um, orthodontists in my area. Mm-hmm. Okay, that would be a viable one. Um, I can look at reviews that people have posted online um, to see, okay, well, here's a practice and here's a practice and you know, which one would I be more interested in going to? Um, I could ask a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I have teenagers. They've all had braces or have braces. Yes. <laughs> so um, their friends do as well. Um, so I could ask a friend. Um, I could ask my dentist for a referral. Mm-hmm. And that would lead me um, to specific, um, you know, practice. Um, so all of these ways of finding out different um, practices or if you're interested in different product, there's all of these different ways of finding um, what you're looking for, what mm-hmm. you think you're looking for at least. Mm-hmm. So um, everybody's different though. So I'm the type of person that will go um, to a place where other people um, would recommend me to go. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I don't typically just Google something and say, oh, okay, that looks good. Um, I will ask around or I will, you know, if I'm at my physician's, I will ask for a referral for somewhere. Um, So that's just me personally. What I've noticed is that others um, may not have the same priorities um, Mm -hmm. as to where they go. So um, so some might be driven by um, the cost of services. Okay. So they would look, they would be Um, those people that might, you know, go on a website and click, okay, I want the cheapest version, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right, Right. of whatever. Um, So they're, they're like, you know, they're, they're searching based on cost. Um, There's people that, um, that I know that um, search based on distance. 
Okay, so distance is, is there a relevant factor? Is it more than five miles away? I'm not going to go. Right, <laughs> so, right. So that's mm-hmm. how they, they sort that out. Um, so there's the priorities are just different for different people. Um, and so I think maybe um, education might be one of the keys um, to help in selecting anything, including um, a product that you're interested in or um, you know, anything regarding your health. I think um, if you are more educated about that specific service, um, product, something like that, I think that would m- more drive you to what you actually need versus um, what is just available based on maybe a priority that shouldn't be your number one priority, Yeah, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, I I totally understand that. And there's a lot of ways, uh, because we talked about the title of this is marketing. And and let's face it, marketing isn't bad. We're marketing. We Mm -hmm. market. We're marketing right now through education. That's that's where we feel our, our patients, our potential patients, really that's where we want to go with them. We want to educate them. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not a bad thing, but I feel like sometimes we're not, we, we don't educate ourselves enough or we have, we're bombarded with so much I um, things coming in from the peripheral mm-hmm. that we don't really look to see what's in front of you and what's important. And I'll give you an example of this. Um, I had a a gentleman referred to our office for testing. Mm -hmm. He um, has had several episodes of falls and balance issues. And his physician, who he really, really likes, referred them to me. He and his wife was brought to were brought into the office by his son. So we had sent out some paperwork to the patient and the wife, and they were having difficulty e- utilizing the internet and getting mm-hmm. that information off. Um, so we, when she called to let us know this. Um, she said, well, I can see it, meaning I can see the information. I just don't know how to fill it out online. Mm-hmm. And I simply said, just come in a few minutes early and we'll do it in the office. Well, one of those things online that she could see but didn't open was called an advanced beneficiary notice or an ABN. And those are for Medicare patients to let them know there are certain services that Medicare, that we will be performing that Medicare does not cover. Mm-hmm. And that it would be due, that's an out-of-pocket expense, and it would be due at the time of service. So they came in, and we, they filled out the information, and we went to have them sign the ABN that she had in her inbox but didn't open it. Um, and she said, well, what is this for? And we explained, and the son said, I think this is a scam. Mm-hmm. And that just 
hit the core of who I am because I've always thought I've been very forthright. I give everything I have to that patient in front of me to resolve their issue. Mm -hmm. They decided since they'd come this way and their doctor had referred them that they were going to go ahead and they paid the difference. But obviously in the back of their mind, there was this thought of I was scamming them the whole time. So long story short is um, we had a very good visit with the patient. We determined the problem, um, and they actually did come back the next day to get, res- to get resolution of that issue because mm-hmm. I explained that Medicare delineates between physical therapy and audiologists. Mm-hmm. Do the same, we can do the same maneuver to treat but they won't, they won't pay me to do it. They'll pay the physical therapist. So they made the second drive down the next day to have it done, the, the procedure done by the physical therapist. And the patient says as he's leaving, I haven't felt this good in months. I am so thrilled. I can, I can go back on the golf course, car, uh, course excuse <laughs> me, cart, cart two, um, and that whole thing. And right. I thought... See, where in your whole, you know, you were referred by your physician who you have a lot of respect for. Mm-hmm. You came in, you told the length of your appointment. You knew it was going to be a long appointment. So you knew that you were going to spend a lot of time with me. You got the answers and you got the solution to your problem. So where in all of that was the scam? Mm-hmm. And I think it was because we're so jaded thinking that everyone's trying to take advantage of us. Right. Yes. Which leads us to our main topic today mm-hmm. um, for the realm of audiology. Um, you know, how, how this, how our services are marketed. Um, and I think... I think it goes into like three different levels, it seems, you know, just from looking at things, um, you know, outside of even our spectrum. Um, So just like everything else, you have three different levels. You have your your basic, your least expensive, Mm -hmm. we'll put it that way, okay? And then you have your middle of the road. Okay, well, that's sort of somewhere in between. Um, and then you have the highest in quality. Okay. Mm-hmm. It seems like those are the three levels that break down everything. Um, and so let's go ahead and let's break out different aspects of audiology. Um, so you can see the different levels. And so maybe this will help you, um, make choices on, on what you're looking for, for different services that we provide. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's start with, let's start with hearing. Um, let's start with hearing technology. Um, so I think the basic levels, your, your basic, basic level would be your over-the-counter devices, okay? Um, amplifiers, if mm-hmm. you will, mm-hmm. <laughs> okay? So that would be your, your basic level. That would be your least expensive option, um, not a lot of... 
um, risk financially there, um, but you got to weigh that with how much benefit do you think you're going to get from that? Right. <laughs> okay. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, they're seemingly everywhere nowadays. And so you, you know, go online, there they are, you go to your store, there they are. Um, so they're kind of right there in front of you. They're mm-hmm. accessible, mm-hmm. really, right. really accessible right. <laughs> to everyone mm-hmm. at this point. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and so I think that would be your, I mean, the, the first, the first rung of the hearing and the, and the hearing, um, technology, although over the counters, you don't necessarily have a test, right? right. So you're just going in there blind, <laughs> right? Yeah. You don't know, you don't know what you're doing. The box says, oh, this fits a moderate hearing loss. I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even know what it says, but it has to say something. Mm-hmm. Um, it has to say something like that. But you don't even know what you're what you're starting out with. Right. Exactly. Um, mm-hmm. So is it dangerous? Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know. But you know, this is again part of the education. So I think um, that you know, going that route, um, I think the dangers outweigh any benefits that you might get. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, even if I wasn't an audiologist, <laughs> um, I would have that same, I would have that same feeling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and so that would be the bottom rung, the middle, middle rung. Um, what do you think? Would that be your big box stores? Do you think? I think, yeah, I think you're looking at the big box stores, um, that provide, um, hearing the their third party intermediaries may be another one um those would be things like true hearing nations hearing epic um amplifon um yeah I, I think i'm sure there's others out there but those are the ones i'm thinking of um those are they all kind of lump into the same category, and that is um, they provide usually two, one to two generations back mm-hmm. of technology. So you're not getting the newest technology. Um, they're not necessarily fit by audiologists. Some are, some are not. There's limited amount of follow-up and programming that's done. And there's a limited amount of testing that's done. So, you know, if you, if you go, let's say, for example, to a, a big box store and you go into the booth, you're usually getting, you know, press the button when you hear the beeps, um, I don't even know if they do speech to scrim, but I know they don't do speech in noise, mm-hmm. which if you've been listening to this podcast, you've heard me over mm-hmm. and over again say, no one in my 30 plus years of being in the in audiology has sat across the table and said, I hear fine in noise. Mm-hmm. It's when somebody, it's really quiet, I can't hear. <laughs> but yet we fit everything based on quiet mm-hmm. and beeps not on the understanding of speech 
I did, a, just off topic, I did a patient the other day who's fairly young, younger than me, and has had a hearing loss pretty much all his life that he remembers. And I did um, a type of test that looks at how does the brain process speech so that I know what best and how to program his hearing aids. And he says to me, I have never had that done before. And that is the hardest hearing test I've ever taken. (laughs) And I said, yeah, it is pretty hard. But what it tells me is your left and right brain are processing at two different levels. And that might be why you're having difficulty in noise. So now I need to make sure that I can bring that up. But again, this is pro- this is not his first round. This is not his first rodeo with hearing aids, mm-hmm. and he's he literally said that to me. That is the hardest hearing test I've ever taken. Why do we want it hard? Because we need to know how the brain is processing speech, not how it's processing the beeps. Right. We don't go around in the world listening for beeps. No. <laughs> so unless you're trying to find a cricket, you know. <laughs> That's right. But, other than that, no, we're not. <laughs> so, um, so I would say that um, that when you're looking at the cost savings, know that on the other side, you may not be getting a superior product for your your needs. So, correct, correct. Um, you know, and it's a difficult thing because, um, you know, these are marketed to um, to the public out there highly readily. Like everybody oh, yeah. knows, mm-hmm. okay, I can go here, I can go here, um, and they're about this much. And But, you know, again, what you don't know is what you don't know. Exactly, <laughs> right? exactly. Right? Um, yes. So, um, so you get you get a certain technology that's fit to the beeps, um, but it's not again fit to what your brain needs individually mm-hmm. um, to process sounds around you, like it was intended to do um, before you had your hearing loss or your disruption in that system. Right. Right. So. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, you know, that's the middle rung, but it's, you know, right there and, you know, you have over the counters right there in front of you, you have those big box stores and third parties and, um, very tempting because of the price and, and, you know, they're pretty readily available as well, but again, limited testing and, um, possibly limited benefits. Exactly. Yeah. Because the other thing with, um, the, uh, third parties is um, they're usually they either give you x amount of dollars mm-hmm. which you know again this gentleman the other day had a third party he was going to get five hundred dollars but he has worn hearing aids enough to know that he can't have a five hundred dollar hearing aid mm-hmm so he opted to say, okay, I won't even use that benefit. I'll go, I'll use, I'll just pay for it because I know. But he's educated. He knows. Mm-hmm. Um, some provide, they call it a discount plan. So that you get a discount on your hearing aids if you go to this, go through this organization and you mm-hmm. do this and you pay them versus 
pay the audiologist. And I can tell you, sometimes those discount plans are no better than you would get for -for fee-for-service. So again, educate yourself um, on what you're getting because you're getting a limited of three visits, maybe six, and then you start paying out of pocket. So, you know, and those visits are literally 15 to 20 minutes, usually. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So... Yeah, so that's your that's your middle rung um, of the the hearing um, realm. Um, but then you have um, a lot of audiology practices out there that are, um, you know, higher up in quality, higher up in testing, higher up in um, the ability to actually um, feed individual brains as to what it needs. Right. So you have the the quality testing. You you look at all the processing. You look at we. We talk about down, up, and up, down processing. So from the ears um, up to the brain, the information goes. Um, but then as the brain processes sound, it actually changes what's going down in the ear level as well. So it actually goes back down. Okay, right. um, That's what people don't realize. Um, so it's a complicated system. And so we look at, when we're testing it, we look at the system, we tax it. Okay, So we want to know, um, okay, what is what is going on? What are what are the difficulties? Um, so we find out each what each brain needs, um, and then we try to um, devise a therapy for that specific mm-hmm. brain. Each brain, mm-hmm. every person has a different brain. Okay, right. um, so you look at speech processing ability. Um, some some practices track um, cognition because we know that non-treated hearing loss increases risk of dementia. Mm-hmm. So we like to track different things in cognition as well because hearing technology can definitely affect those areas as well. Um, and so, again, you're getting, uh, you know, quality testing, testing the brain. You're getting, um, you know, therapies, um, including hearing technology. Mm-hmm. Other therapies, too, Um are available for those with hearing loss as well that um, that you do, Dr. Mm-hmm. Day as well, mm-hmm. um, above and beyond hearing technology. Yeah. Okay, so those are available at, at audiology practices as well. Right, right. Some of them at least. Yeah. <laughs> and I failed to mention when we were talking, and I hate to go backwards and confuse everyone, but I failed <laughs> to mention that there are um, practices that are owned by manufacturers. And so those practices, what does that mean? That means that you only get their particular brand, not that it's a bad brand, Mm -hmm. but the biggest part is, and and in big box stores the same, is they lock their hearing aids. And what that means is if you have a hearing aid and it's not working and you can't get back to the, or the big box store won't see you or they won't make any changes or any of these others, you cannot come to or go to another audiologist that's independent, i.e. such as ourselves, and have us work on your hearing aids. We physically cannot get into the programming of the hearing aid. Mm -hmm. So that's what it means by locked. And then the other thing about manufacturers that um, manufactured own practices, and this has happened recently, is a person went through one of the third parties 
went to a practice-owned manufacturer, got her hearing aids in California, has moved to Arizona. They only have one uh, location, one or two locations of this manufacturing store in Arizona because most of them have Mm -hmm. shut down. She cannot travel. And so now she is stuck with any expenses on this hearing aid, if we can get into it, that she's already paid for through this other third party. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, you have to keep those in mind. Are you going to be able to travel or move or anything, you know, and be able to get the services that you need? And so... Again, we're not saying these are just things to to think about when you make your decision of your purchase of hearing aids because it is a it can be and is a significant purchase. Mm-hmm. And so I think you take into account just as if you were going out to purchase a car. What are the things that I need? What are the things I need to look for? You know, and you know, can I, can I just get an electric bike instead of a car? I mean, will that work for me to get me from here to there? I mean, you have to think of these things because it is a major purchase. So that's the area of hearing aids. Yes. And um, we do a lot more at ABHA because we feel like um, sometimes you can't, you put hearing aids and it's just never enough. Right. And you're, you're right. We do, we've now looked at doing some therapies and, and others that are working quite well to get the most out of your hearing aids. Now let's talk about balance. This is an area you and I really like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, what would you say is the bottom rung, if you will, or the least intrusive and least expensive, though it can get expensive if you're seeing somebody three times a week and you have a coping. <laughs> yes. As I yes. know. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I would say, um, okay, so you're, um, you wake up one day, um, you feel dizzy or all of a sudden you feel unbalanced or something happens or an accident um, and your balance is impaired. Um, and you know, you may go to your doctor, you may, you know, usually you do, okay, what can I do about this? Um, and they send you to physical therapy. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, which sounds great. Okay. Well, great. I'll go to physical therapy and everything will, will be better. Um, however, um, there's some issues with that. Um, and the first issue that comes to my mind, um, is that we don't know why you're dizzy or why you're imbalanced. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, Will the physical therapist know that? Likely not. Right. (laughs) Okay. Um, Without some specific testing. Um, And truthfully, um, you know, there's a lot of physical therapists out there and they do a great job. Um, The majority of them are not trained in balance or what we call vestibular. Um, So you might go to a physical therapist that, Oh yeah, I had um, special training in in um, in balance or vestibular areas, um, and um, if that's the case, you might want to ask them. Oh well, 
Um, how long was the training? <laughs> yes. um, don't ask where, because that's not important, pretty right. much. Um, but how long was it? Was it a weekend? <laughs> was it a weekend? And most people say, oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I went over here for the weekend. And no, that's not enough um, to learn about the brain and how, how to um, reorganize it, um, how to uh, essentially make the brain try to fix the problem, okay? Mm -hmm. Encourage the brain to change um, to fix the area of weakness. So, um, so, but this is, you know, I would say this is the bottom, the bottom rung because you might go to the physical therapy. Um, they're going to do some exercises with you. Are they doing exercises that are actually going to help you? Right. Don't know. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, um, so this is standard. Um, if you go to your doctor, they might just say, yeah, okay, I'll send you over here to physical therapy and we'll see what happens. Right, right. Okay. Mm -hmm. So um, if my doctor says, we'll see what happens, <laughs> you know, if they, if they said that to me, I'd be like, hmm, see what happens. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> um, so I, I, I would say that would be the, the bottom rung of, of yeah. balance. I would say the next one is we're going to send you for a V as in NG. That's V as in Victor, N as in Nancy, mm -hmm. G as in girl. It's that alphabet soup of uh, medicine, a VNG, mm -hmm. video nice tegmography. Mm -hmm. um, and we'll see, see what the results are. Well, years and years ago, when we didn't have what we have now, the VNG was the gold standard. Mm-hmm. And so the physicians are not wrong in thinking that a patient may need a VNG. The difficulty with that is it's no longer the gold standard, and it hasn't been for years because it doesn't test enough of the areas that we need to test to see what the problem is. So this would be the least out-of-pocket expense um, Many times, if it's just a VNG, it's being done by a tech, not an audiologist. And it might be read by an audiologist or the physician, but it's not done by one. Um, so there's no, oh, this doesn't look right. Let's try this. Or, oops, we can't do this because of this reason. So let's modify it and do this. There's none of that. It's strictly... Um, Let's get it done. In fact, I think uh, Dr. Schmidt told me about a person that was bragging that she could get a VNG done in, what, 38 minutes? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, that would be like saying I can get an MRI done in three minutes. Really? Is that really going to be what you need? And many times, not always, but many times, it'll come back, everything's fine. Everything's fine. That is what we see. All the time. <laughs> All the time. <laughs> so, so you're being told that everything's fine, and yet you're still feeling dizzy. But this would be the next realm because many times when you have just the VNG done at these locations, they will take your insurance, um, and there will there won't there'll be little if any out of pocket expense. Maybe your copay or coinsurance or 
Yeah. So that would be the next level. Right. That would be the mid-level, if you will. Yeah. One thing I have to say about that is even if um, the, the test is being read by an audiologist or by a physician, um, is that the best way to do things? Um, and I would argue no. So it's, it's not similar to, um, to going in to have an MRI. So if you go in to have an MRI, um, you have a technician who is running, you know, the equipment, um, getting all the, the pictures and everything. And then you have a radiologist that reads it. Right. Okay. But that, that's anatomy. That's a static thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So they're looking at the pictures. They're saying, okay, yeah, this all looks good. Oh, over here, maybe not so good. Um, so I think that seems reasonable, but you know, I'm not, I'm not in that field. Maybe it's not. I don't know. Um, but for, for this type of testing, it is dynamic. It's not static. Okay. So we're testing the function of the balance system in different areas. So we're having, we're having the patient do different things that activates their balance system. And we're seeing how the balance system, um, reacts. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so based on that, there's different things that you will see, um, that will, you know, put up some red flags as to going, oh, this, this process is not um, as smooth as we need it to, or, oh, this means um, this junction of the brain is not working correctly. Um, and then, you know, if you do have somebody that does know what they're doing, then they will modify that as they go along and go, oh, well, okay, I'm seeing this. I should go look over here in this area now. Right. Um, so, you know, if you, if you go to a place and um, and you inquire. Okay, who's who's doing the testing? Oh, it's it's a technician. They've been trained. Um, okay, well then then what happens? Oh, well an audiologist, um, you know, reads the results. Mm-hmm. Um, is that going to be the best um, the best practices? Um, I would argue absolutely not. Right. <laughs> and and absolutely not. I have been asked just to. You know, I have been asked, and we have to read results, and I won't Mm -hmm. do it because, and it's not because I'm being elitist. It's because I don't know what was happening in the room. Right. I don't know if what I'm seeing is the patient just really bored or tired versus there really is something going on with their eye movement. So there's no notes on it. There's no nothing. So... And I've had situations where I have asked for tracings of patients that I'm going to redo to see if I get the same thing that they got. And I'll look at that tracing and I'm like, I think that's eye blinks, mm-hmm. you know, or um, I don't know that they were looking where they were supposed to look. Again, I don't, I can't say for sure, but I know for sure what has happened when I'm in the room. I know what's happening when I see a tracing right. or if our fourth year resident is doing the testing, I'm, I'm saying to them, what, what were you doing at this particular time? Mm-hmm. Um, re, why don't we redo that if we have to and do it this way? Mm-hmm. But so, yeah, I think that, you know, even if it's just the VNG, it's 
it's questionable about the quality of that test if it's done if it's done by a, a technician and read off-site meaning they're not the audiologist isn't there mm-hmm. to go into the room and say okay just like my resident yesterday came in and said the patient can't turn their head and I'll say I said, okay. So I go in there and I said, this is what we're going to do. Then I, we did it. We modified it. We got what we needed and boom, that was what we needed because we needed those results. And there it was, but if we would have just said in a tech doing it saying, okay, they couldn't move their head to this direction. So we didn't test it. You would have totally missed it. Right. Which I, there's very few times I think that you and I ever don't test something unless it's you know pe tubes in the ear and we can't do calorics but other than that that and that's because somebody else did something that we couldn't do it's not because we couldn't do it exactly yeah exactly so now we're going to go on to what we do and that's the full balance evaluation and i'm going to just start off saying i'm gonna let dr schmidt chime in here a little bit but i believe wholeheartedly that 80% of my evaluation and my determination comes from the case history. Definitely. <laughs> and so many times I'll be asking questions and someone will say, well, nobody's ever asked me that before. Or, gosh, do you think those are related? Well, I'm not one that believes in... Con- coincidences. So let's see what we got here. (laughs) Right. So if you are not having a case history that's lengthy, that asks questions, that, you know, if you have to fill out a case history, it should be at least three pages long, at least. And then it should be reviewed with you. Right. That's still not enough. (laughs) And that's still not enough. Right. Right. So... You know, the little questions like, wait a minute, you just said, you said that this started in five or six months ago, but you just mentioned 10 years ago that you had some, you had vertigo, but you don't have vertigo now. Tell me what happened 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, and then they start to tell you. So you have to listen to those things. You have to listen to what the patient is telling you. And sometimes you have to draw it out of them. Right. Hold on. Wait. Stop. (laughs) You just said this. Elaborate on that for me, please. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And if you don't have the history and you just have results, you know, you have these results and it's, you know, and okay, there's a weakness in this area or maybe this is causing their dizziness, but unless you know what they're experiencing, you can't link that to what they're experiencing. Mm -hmm. So um, if you're like, okay, well, if I'm finding a right ear weakness over here, that's all well and good. But if their symptoms don't match up with having a right ear weakness, something else is giving them their symptoms. So if you don't know that, I mean, your results are not helpful. No. And, And what I, and I use that I'm going to go two bookends and I'll let you do everything in between. So I do the history. And then at the end, 
because I've done this history and I've done this comprehensive evaluation, I can look with confidence at my patient and say, let me tell you why you're feeling like you are. Mm-hmm. Let me explain it to you. And that in itself is about 20 to 30 minutes. And that's not the report. That is, let me tell you why. Right. And then I'll show them. See that right there? That shouldn't happen. But it happens, and this is why. And that is why when you move your head, you feel like the room's still moving. Mm-hmm. Or, um, uh, you know, when you go from laying, sitting, standing. Well, this is what we found. We found that the, <clears throat> the, the uh, nerve that comes and runs between the two is not performing on that one side. That's why you're having that, you know. But you wouldn't have found that if you didn't do the comprehensive. Right. So those are my bookends. I'll let you do the ones in the middle. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so um, so the VNG that we described before, um, it is, is still part of the battery. Oh, absolutely. Testing, right. Mm-hmm. Um, it does give some um, good information of different areas of the balance system. So that is still a valid test. But by itself, um, lacks um, some information. And so now we have different different other tests. Um, we have what, what, was, what is called a VEMP, um, which is a vestibular evoked myogenic potential test. Um, and there's two different ones that test the balanced nerves. I mean, if we don't know what the balanced nerves are doing, um, if they're sending the signal to the brain, th- that seems pretty important. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we need to know. We need to know what's going on there. Um, and, and just to interrupt, when we talk about the balanced nerve, that's one of the 12 cranial nerves. Um, but the balance nerve actually comes into the inner ear portion and bifurcates into mm-hmm. two different areas. Mm-hmm. So we have to test both areas, not just one. So Correct. Mm-hmm. Correct. So that's all good information. Um, we have um, something called the V-HIT, too. Um, that's a head impulse test. And so that test, you have... Um, canals inside each balance system. So inside each ear, there's three canals. Um, In each canal, we'll send signals into those nerves up into the brain for the brain to process. Um, And so we can now have that ability to test each specific canal on both sides. So six canals by themselves. Okay. Mm -hmm. Didn't have that ability before. We have it now. Okay. It's part of the battery part of the overall evaluation. Um, and, you know, also we can do um, bedside testing, um, and some neurologists especially out there might do some bed, bedside testing as well, um, you know, doing different things um, that don't involve being hooked up to any equipment, um, just kind of moving in certain ways or getting up and turning around and sitting down and things like that. We get some information about that as well. Um also, hearing, um, your hearing and your balance system are hooked together, okay? Why wouldn't we want to know what's going on in the hearing side? Because right. that can give us clues as to what's going on the balance side, or vice versa as mm-hmm. well. Um, so sometimes they s- apparently seem to be working independently, but I don't think they are. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, they, are, they are definitely linked together. And so um, as far as the full battery of evaluations, that is what we do. Great. Yes. So now we're going to move on to tinnitus, which is near and dear to Dr. Schmidt's heart. Mm-hmm. Well, the very first low level is um, 
you go to your physician and you tell them and they say to you, there's not anything you can do. Just live with it. Just live with it. No big deal. No cure, no nothing. And by the way, we're not saying there's a cure. (laughs) We have to always say that. We are not saying it's a cure. Just like there's not a cure for cancer, but there are treatments. Mm -hmm. So that would be the lowest level. So you at least know, yes, you have tinnitus, and you don't know why. Now, they may send you for a hearing test, a basic hearing test, or they may do it in their office, but that's basically it. Right. So, um, you know, they might say, oh, you have hearing loss. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I don't know. Is that causing the tinnitus? Nobody asked that question. (laughs) I asked that question. (laughs) Nobody seems to want to know. Right. Because not every hearing loss, the person has tinnitus. (laughs) And not every tinnitus patient has a hearing loss. Biggie. Ding, 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 ding. (laughs) Right. Um, So I don't like that level. I don't like that rung. Please, (laughs) please, please don't stay there. Please don't stay there. Um, Let's go to the next rung, okay? Um, Which would be most um, hearing aid practices, okay? So you call them up and they'll be, oh, yeah, we, we, um, we prescribe hearing technology and, yes, we treat tinnitus. Um, Do they? (laughs) Is the question. Um, They have basic, basic tinnitus knowledge. Um, Basic, again, tinnitus ringing in the ears. They know, okay, there's ringing in the ears, might be associated with hearing loss. I'm going to treat that with hearing technology for the hearing loss. And there you go. (laughs) That's it. Okay, that's what they do. Um, If that works, great. If it doesn't, sorry. Um, Yeah. There's no... There's no other option there. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, they don't go into, why do you have tinnitus? Mm -hmm. What's causing it? Well, and then they also will tell patients, which we have talked on other episodes, it may take 12 to 18 months or two years for your brain to get used to it and not, which again, is not, you have told me it's not the case. I just don't believe in that. So I'm um, going against the grain there. Um, so, but that's what a lot of people do. They go, oh, well, this, you know, even tinnitus is in their name um, or it's hot, highly advertised. If something's hot, advertised to you a lot, like on TV, um, beware, please, yeah. um, because there might be a better option. Okay. Mm-hmm. And um, then the top rung would be um, a tinnitus, true tinnitus specialist. So that would be. Um, myself. So um, this is a person that will find, try to find the cause of your tinnitus. Not that you, you have it. That's pretty clear. But what's causing it? If you don't know what's causing it, how do you fix it? Okay. So that would include a comprehensive evaluation of the hearing circuit. Okay. Um, everything that we would do for hearing loss or, you know, to find out any, any difficulties in that processing of the hearing circuit and it includes other testing to say, okay, what, what else is entering that hearing circuit? Cause there is something, okay. Mm-hmm. Where is it coming from? Is it coming from the emotional system? Is it coming from the somatic or the touch system? What else is feeding into that circuit? Okay. Mm-hmm. If you know that, then that's a, that's a good start as to, okay, where, what, where do we go from here? Right. Mm -hmm. If it's if it's all emotional, um, you know, just all these hormones flooding into the hearing system. Okay, well, we need to work on that. 
right? <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, fixing or changing the hearing circuit might not be effective. Um, and so there's, there's different things that go into figuring out what is actually causing the tinnitus. Yes. Um, same with balance. You, okay, you have vertigo. Great. What's causing the vertigo? Right. Um, if we don't know the cause, how do we know how to fix it? Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's what um, a true tinnitus specialist will do. Um, so if you walk in the door and you ask, okay, what kind of treatments do you have for tinnitus? And they say, um, hearing aids. Mm-hmm. And that's all they say. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they're not a tinnitus specialist. Right. FYI. <laughs> okay. So, um, so that, that's on my soapbox for tinnitus today. Um, so, um, I highly recommend that you go, if you're, if you're struggling with tinnitus, you know, this tinnitus is, is just killing me. It's just, I can't get away from it. I don't know what to do. Go see a tinnitus specialist, please. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. All right. So we have one more auditory processing disorder, and this is your realm, Dr. Day. Yeah. So auditory processing disorder is, in a nutshell, what we do with what we hear. So it's not listening to beeps and boops and pressing the button and and that type of thing. It's what do you actually do with the speech sounds? How does the brain process those speech sounds? Um. And that happens in the brain. We do not hear in our ears. We hear in our brains. And um, so in the realm of auditory processing, it can be a little bit difficult because, number one, it's not something that comes first and foremost Mm -hmm. um, to mind. It is becoming more and more recognized, especially in the areas of dyslexia, ADHD, ADD, uh, concussion, um, which is actually acquired auditory processing, Mm -hmm. because uh, the reason for the first ones that I mentioned is the comorbidity. There's high comorbidities, and we know that, because ADHD, ADD, dyslexia, um, learning disabilities. Uh, there's there's a list of um, about nine comorbidities uh, or eight comorbidities. Mm-hmm. Those are all things that are happening in the brain, and so does aud- processing auditory information in the brain. Mm-hmm. So it's what is the brain doing with this information. And so um, there were places doing it, um, some testing. I don't know of a lot that is out there right Mm. now. Um, but one of the things that you need to know is if you have an auditory processing evaluation done by someone other than an audiologist, so you, you go to your speech language pathologist, for instance, you are having a language evaluation. You are not having an auditory processing evaluation. So make sure you understand the difference between the two. Mm-hmm. Auditory processing can only be tested and diagnosed by an audiologist, period. Because it requires a lot of the same equipment that we do use to um, evaluate hearing. Mm-hmm specifically dichotic hearing. We want to know how does the left pathway compa- hearing pathway compare to the right hearing pathway. Mm-hmm. 
So um, that would be my first. Um, so the first thing I'd say on that. Uh, the other thing is, is there is a test out there, and a lot of times they'll do what we call the scan mm-hmm. test. Um, that's a good screening. It is a good screening. I use it in my clinic. But it's important to understand it is a screening. Mm-hmm. Um, so we want to make sure that we're getting a whole picture, just like anything else. Um, now we have testing um, with therapies that has shown incredible promise. And we've I've got kids, I've got adults, I've got um, adults with eight ADP that were never diagnosed. I've got concussed patients and they're making wonderful progress um, because we actually know what we're treating. Mm-hmm. It, it all comes back to knowing <laughs> what you're looking at. Mm-hmm. Watching what works, walk away when it doesn't. It's like on the AP uh, on my APD reports, I'll always have like all these recommendations. And the first thing I'll say is by no means, don't get overwhelmed. I am not suggesting you do every single one of these. I'm suggesting we start where we think we can and see how that goes. But we don't continue if it's not working. Mm-hmm. We, we go in a different direction. So it's just to show that we have a lot of opportunities to treat this. But what works for you may not work for Sally Joe over here. Mm-hmm. Again, the brain, your brain is your brain. And and you have to you have to look at it that way. So um so in the area of auditory processing, which we're doing so much more now, we're looking at individuals with hearing loss that um still have poor speech to scrim scores, even if we amplify they're still not in the 80s or 90%. Can we increase that with just just doing some auditory training with the brain? And we're using a lot of the same um, things that we're doing in auditory processing. So we are showing some really promising um, areas to help individuals communicate better. But it, it has to be someone who that is um, a love or a passion Mm-hmm. because it it can be tedious and it can take time and it has to be someone that is just willing to do that and, and go on that journey with you. So um, I do believe there are a few places out there. I just haven't, I haven't heard um, as whether they're still doing the testing, um, but Testing itself is one thing, um, but then they also have to be able to do the therapies. And the therapies um, can be done by speech-language pathologists, can be done by occupational therapists, depending on what the therapy is. Not all of it, um, but some of it still has to be done by the audiologist because it is an auditory issue. It's not a language-based issue. Right. So we want to make sure of that. Awesome. Yeah. So we're going to go ahead and wind that up. I hope that helps you all in, in um, understanding some of maybe, maybe getting some ideas of what you need to ask for when you're looking at um, 
treating any of those areas, hearing loss, balance, tinnitus, or auditory processing. Uh, so let's go ahead to tips and tricks. Um, again, we are going to, we had this last time, but I think it, it, it really is important. Mm -hmm. If we believe that asking the right questions for your, your testing or your therapy will, will make your therapy and testing just more successful for you. So if you want to know what questions to ask, please go to our website, azbalanceandhearing.com. Again, that's azbalanceandhearing.com and request, what question should I ask before making an appointment? This will help you to be better armed to asking those questions that are important to getting the most out of your visit with your audiologist or your physician or um, hearing aid healthcare person. Exactly. All right. And our quote of the day, um, if it seems too good to be true, it probably is. There's one of them. Mm -hmm. I think everybody said that one. Um, Then I have one more. Um, Diligence is the mother of good fortune. Um, and I have it being said by Benjamin Disraeli. Um, so I think that really applies to today's topic. Yes, do absolutely. Your, do your due diligence to figure out where you should go and what what you should do about the symptoms that you're having. Yes. Take um, as much time in your hearing and balance health care as you do just taking care of yourself, your body, your overall health, um, buying a house, buying a car, taking a vacation. You do due diligence on all of that. Do the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would like to thank Dr. Susan Schmidt for joining me today. And I would like to thank all of you for joining us. And if you have any questions for us at ABHA, please post them on our Facebook page or visit our website at azbalanceandhearing.com. That's azbalanceandhearing.com. Also, don't forget to hit subscribe as you don't want to miss any of our future podcasts as we're always looking for new content. I'd also like to end by thanking Dave Pratt's Star Worldwide Networks for allowing us the opportunity to record at his lovely studio. And Robin, who puts up with us as she always has and is so gracious about it all. And especially correcting our mistakes. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Thank you, Robin. ABHA partnering with you to better balance Better hearing, better Better life. life. Thank you for listening to the ABHA Listen and Learn podcast with Dr. Dana Day and Dr. Susan Schmidt. Join us next time as we discuss the latest issues related to hearing and balance health care. Plus, hear any of our past episodes on demand 24-7 on StarWorldWideNetworks.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.